You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Escalating violence, including 27 homicides in the last five years, inadequate levels of care and gigantic waiting lists. That is the reality in Ontario's long-term care system, according to a new report called Situation Critical by the Ontario Health Coalition. At 33,000, wait lists are longer than the entire population of a medium-sized town in Ontario. So it's kind of obvious nursing homes have not kept pace with the aging population and the offloading of patients from hospital beds, which is something that has to happen. Levels of fatal violence in the homes are higher than virtually anywhere else in our society. Remember Tammy Carbino? Her father, James Acker, was attacked by a fellow resident and then left to languish in a hospital bed before eventually succumbing to his injuries. And that was not the first time that he was attacked by another resident. Uh, Listen to this story of a sexual assault that happened in his care home and was not even reported. Another resident had entered his room in the night. He yelled out and staff did come to check on what was happening. And she had, like, shredded his underwear. And he was, you know, I guess in he was in bed sleeping at 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. And she had, like, ripped his underwear to the point of bringing his genitalia out of his underwear. And that's when staff had come in. Well, wow. Uh, So what can be done about this? Uh, One of the disturbing conclusions of this report is that people who can afford to get to pay for their care, get care, even though the care is not always to the correct standard. We want to hear from you about your experience or the experience of loved ones in long-term care with waiting lists, with anything related to this subject. Please give us a call. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, I'd like to bring in Natalie. Mera with the Ontario Health Coalition, uh, the executive director and one of the authors of this report, and Jane Medes with the Advocacy Centre for the Elderly. Ladies, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Uh, Natalie, uh, this report, uh, what is your research based on, and uh, did you find anything in this surprising? Yes, well, you're getting complaints from family members and from care workers. Sorry, Natalie, I have to interrupt you. We can't make out um, what you're saying. So I'm going to go to Jane Medes and maybe you can find a better line. Uh, Jane, did you find anything in this report surprising? Uh, So what I I think, um, yes and no. I mean, I think it's always surprising when we see this, but unfortunately, I think what is most surprising is that things haven't changed and that this is certainly not the first time that we've heard this kind of issue um, and these problems, and yet nothing is 
seemingly done about it. Uh, we have a, a whole official inquiry going on to the state of long-term care homes. Uh, is is this exploring the same issues? Is this at odds with that? Because that, that was uh, put in place by the government. So the inquiry is looking specifically at the, you know, the deaths uh, in the two homes um, and the, you know, and the assaults. Um, that went along with Elizabeth Wetlawfer. So it's certainly not as broad as what we're seeing in this. Some of the issues certainly have come out in that. Um, and, you know, some of the, hopefully the recommendations would help to cover this. But it's certainly not looking at that broad issue of abuse, for example, um, resident on resident violence in long-term care. That's not something that the inquiry is looking at. And uh, to what do you attribute this? I mean, one of the things that we've always heard about is not just that there are more and more uh, elderly people, but but people are staying healthier longer, so they have much more complicated conditions by the time they get into a nursing home. Well, they're staying healthy longer, but, but we're also getting, you know, older, frailer people, and the longer you live, the more chance you are of having dementia and the related issues that come with that. Um, unfortunately, some of those are behavioral. Um, but, you know, it, it puts pressure on the system because the system really is uh, there to provide ongoing care, and they can just really provide that minimal amount of care. And so behavioral issues, which take a lot of time, um, don't, get, don't get met, um, you know, those, those kinds of uh, needs. So, for example, you know, keeping people active and doing things and having eyes on them and all of that, that takes um, a lot of people to do that, and it's just not available in long-term care. Uh, Let's try to bring in Natalie again. Hi, Natalie. Hi. Okay, we can uh, understand what you're saying now. Was there anything in this research that really surprised you? Yeah, we we started looking into violence in um, long-term care homes because people were making more frequent complaints about both the resident family members and staff members in um, long-term care homes. And so when we looked at it, we found actually that the coroner in Ontario had also been looking into this issue and had flagged it for policymakers for many years in a row, uh, saying, you know, that the death rates, that the homicide rates in long-term care homes were um, shockingly high. And that's what we found. And when we looked at the homicide rates compared to um, the largest city in the province and to a city the same size as long-term care, so there's 80,000 people approximately in long-term care, we found homicide rates that were between four times and eight times the homicide rate of any community in the province. Uh, And we found that other types of violence were also escalating. Uh, And so I found that quite shocking and actually beyond shocking. You know, it's just it can't be tolerated. It crosses all of our moral boundaries. It's not acceptable. People expect that they're putting their loved one into a place that's safe and where they're going to be cared for. And, um, you know, we don't want to scare people. That's not our goal. We're a public interest group. But we do want to shine a spotlight on these issues because... I think that they really underline the need. They they amplify the the real need to improve the care levels in long-term care homes. Uh, one of the things that happened in the case that we underlined, Tammy Carbino, um, it dates back two years, and we had followed up for over a year. But after her father was attacked, 
he went to the hospital and then he had nowhere to go but his attacker remained in the care home that he was in i mean his attacker had dementia uh does anything in your report natalie speak to that situation no not specifically to that really what we're looking at is how you know what are the causes of the increase in violence and how can we best address them in policy terms but yeah i mean it's a real problem i think because the care needs for some of the residents are just too high for the homes and they're stuck in we do talk a little bit about this kind of an unfortunate limbo where they're pushed out of hospitals and they've closed you know the the vast majority of the psychogeriatric beds in ontario and they've closed about half of the chronic care hospital beds and they're pushed into long-term care homes that are you know neither designed nor staffed nor resourced appropriately to deal with the care needs of uh, the residents, and it's a tragedy both for the perpetrators and for the victims of the of these situations. And Jane, I mean, um, we have government that's promised. Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact number. It might be thirty thousand long-term care beds over ten years. I've had people in the industry saying, you know, even if all the money for that were provided, it's not realistic. Uh, we just don't have those beds in place. Right, and, and, you know, that's a long-term fix as well. Um, the problem is, is that if you, you know, you can put in 30,000 beds and, and get the people perhaps out of the hospital, but the problem is, is if you're still providing the care at the same level, you're not going to um, change the problem, which is that there's just not enough care. Um, and then there's not enough specialized care. We only have about five or six um, behavioral units in the province of Ontario in long-term care, which is supposed to provide specialized care for people uh, who have these kind of increased behaviors. So someone who might be, for example, like a perpetrator might be able to go to that. Um, but even in there, we often have uh, people complaining and saying they're supposed to be providing this extra care, but we really don't see it. Some of them happy with it, some aren't. Um, but we really need a much, much higher level of care in those kinds of units as well. And the other problem is that because of the hospital waiting list problem, people are waiting in hospital, we get a lot of complaints. It's our number one issue is people getting pushed out of hospital into inappropriate places. And this can be people, these can be people who have um, behavioral issues, and they're being told to go and being accepted at retirement homes, which is totally inappropriate. Retirement homes, you mean not long-term care homes. Exactly. And so these are tenancies where you have an apartment, you purchase care, they're not governed in the same way, they don't have the same kind of um, oversight, um, they, they really aren't able to provide that care. Um, and people are told, well, you can go there and you can pay $10,000 a month to get that care there, and that's not appropriate either. Natalie, what do you have to say about that? What kind of care is available for people who can afford it, and, and what are the problems with that? Well, unfortunately, I think the prices are so high that the vast majority of just regular people can't afford it. Um, but, uh, you know, our members, for example, in the Durham area are telling us that they are being charged 6000 or $7,000 a month for assisted living or retirement homes or other types of places um, that, that their parents are in waiting to get into long-term care homes because they're all full. I think the, 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 the tragedy is that the vast majority of people just can't afford 
uh, anything along those lines. Okay, let's uh, take a call from Keith in Stouffville. Hi, Keith. Hi, Libby. How are you doing? How Fine. are you? Fine. How are Great. you? I'd just like to say something positive. I've got an aunt in long-term care. She's been there for about eight years, and she gets treated greatly. She, you know, and, and she's she's 94 now, and she doesn't talk as much as she did. But, like, listen, people look after her there, and they, and you can't have... I know if somebody has got dementia that it attacks somebody else. That, I mean, you, you can't have people looking at after people 24 7 like to say oh you know because they get they get into a situation where uh you know they have uh different activities in that and maybe somebody might do that you know but i mean yeah is, is you your aunt in a like uh, in a for-profit or a not-for-profit long-term it care is, uh i don't i don't know if I th- it's a government one it's uh i tell you what she pays 2100 dollars a month for her care there you know, and she Definitely gets in a long-term care that look sure. after that. You know, so I don't know about these. I don't know about these other high-end ones, but uh, you know, I, which I think is fair, really. You know, for 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 the care she gets. It sounds like uh, it sounds like she's lucky. She's got a good spot. Keith, thanks for telling us about yeah, that. Yeah, and I like listen. If she gets a, a bruise or something, they're phony. They phone me all the time because I'm her, you know, power of attorney. They phone. There's and they have meetings every month. Anybody has a concern or a suggestion or something, and the people that are uh, running the activities and all that stuff, they they get you know some of them don't want to you know don't want to get involved in the activities. That's okay, you know. Okay, Keith. Thanks for that. Them, they encourage them to to get into the activities, even if they don't want to. Sometimes they'll just wheel them in there, say if, say if they're in a wheelchair. Or whatever. Okay, Keith. Thank you for that. Uh, so it sounds like uh, he's got a great situation for his aunt. Um, what percentage of, of places are, are like that, Natalie, and, and how many uh, are in trouble? Well, hmm. hard to sort of to just kind of pick an arbitrary number, but we know that less than half of the Ontario long-term care homes have behavioral supports in the homes, and we think they really all should have it, or at least all of them with residents that exhibit responsive behaviors, that is, these behaviors that can include things like kicking and punching and grabbing and pulling and those sorts of things and yelling and so on. Um, So less than half of them have those supports. Um, And, you know, I mean, I think that this is not to take away in any way from the excellent care and the compassion and the concern that happens every day in long-term care homes across Ontario. But the systemic issue that affects virtually all of the homes is that that care levels are too low to meet the complexity of the care needs of the residents. And what we saw in our report is that the care needs have escalated dramatically, and yet at the same time, the actual hands-on care has gone down. And, you know, if you put your child into a daycare, there's a staffing ratio. You can't have more than, what is it, four children or something per um, care worker. Uh, In long-term care, there's no such thing. And we really think there needs to be a regulated care standard that's enforced because voluntary approach has not worked, and that's, you know, the evidence shows that. Uh, But a regulated care standard that's enforced... Uh, Jane, um, 
It sounds like uh, it all basically comes down to money. And also in terms of staffing, uh, I just recently saw a report on the situation with personal support workers, and there aren't enough of them. Right. There's, so there's, there's a bunch of issues here. So first of all, yeah, there's not enough personal support workers. Uh, homes, especially in rural areas, have trouble getting nurses. Um, and there is a move by some people to try to get rid of the one nurse that's required um, on at all times because of the difficulty in getting them. I don't think that's the way to go. I think they have to try to get the nurses in, not just say, well, we'll get rid of that uh, legislation. We know that people are more um, have more acuity. One of the other problems, um, you know, we have homes out there and, you know, lots of people have lots of very good positive experiences. It, it, there is really a huge difference between homes, and you can't tell, um, you know, by the type of home or anything. Um, things change, you know, you, you really have to go and see homes. But part of the problem that we run into is that some homes really try to cherry pick their clients, um, and so even though, you know, people with behaviors um, certainly should be getting care in homes, um, a lot of there are many homes out there who try to turn them down, um, not legally, but they do it. Um, How do they do it if not legally? Well, because they're not being, um, that part of the process isn't overseen. So people are, uh, you know, get a letter saying, you know, you're not accepted, and then and nobody questions it. So if they contact us, we will go to the ministry and saying, you know, this isn't legal. But unfortunately, the ministry doesn't seem to be looking at on a case, you know, on an over of the over um, for the whole the systemic uh, basis and so you know we see we rarely just, see people who just are just a minute just a minute I'm, I mm-hmm. just so if somebody applies to a long-term care home mm-hmm. how would the long-term care home would they see a medical record to see that the person has dementia and that has that behavior before they decide yay or nay or how does it work that's correct so the there's a, an assessment that's done they get a a fairly comprehensive um, assessment uh, prior to admission that would go to the home and the home can say yes or no. There's two reasons that they can say no. One is that the physical facility um, isn't, um, they're not able to provide care in the physical facility. For example, uh, older homes that uh, may not be able to manage very large wheelchairs because the doors are too small, um, or they don't have the nursing expertise. Um, Very rarely is it a nursing expertise issue. It's often They'll say, well, we don't have, we, we, we don't want a person with this kind of behaviors. Um, and, you know, long-term care is part of our public health system, and people are entitled to that, um, but we have to do it right. And, but lots of homes really do try to, to turn down people when it's not appropriate. Okay, let's hear from Maggie in Toronto. Hi, Maggie. How are you? Fine, how are uh, you? Oh, pretty good. I just want to make a comment uh, possibly about the environment that changes the attitudes. I've known some of um, long care places that uh, instead of looking like a hospital, when you walk in, they made the lobby look like a small town center square. Uh, The hallways were painted uh, with uh, white picket fences, flowers, and all that. And it does change the mood of uh, the patients and even the... uh, Nurses say it does calm some people. So I just want to make a comment about maybe uh, changing the environment in some of these places where it's uh, calmer for the patients. 
Okay, that's an interesting point. Thanks for that, Maggie. And Natalie, I mean, is that part of what you and your group are suggesting? Yeah, I love that. You know, the more that the homes are home-like, the more that, um, you know, that the physical environment is, um, you know, welcoming and and home-like and friendly and that people are included to their capacity in um, the life of the homes, I think that's great. There's a great project that's being done by researchers in Canada and uh, the Nordic countries, uh, actually across Canada, looking at reimagining long-term care and how to improve care. And they're looking at things like that. And we're totally supportive of those types of findings for sure. But, you know, we, we can't, they don't, they're not instead of, they're in addition to the need to improve the actual care levels in the homes to meet the you know, the actual physical and medical needs of the residents. Uh, Jane, have you, uh, has or Natalie for that matter, have you parsed out the pre-election promises made for long-term care? And are the dollars, has anything started? And are the dollars promised enough to make this happen? Let's start with Jane. Well, you know, uh, we've heard a lot about beds. Um, an increased number of beds. I, I'm not sure how much we've heard about an increase in the amount of care, and that's really part of it, is that we really need that. Um, we really, I, I really don't know what the dollars are. I don't know what the government is planning. Um, we certainly know they're planning more beds, but that's just not sufficient. You know, you have to, you can't just put the beds in. You have to provide the right levels of care, and we know that, you know, these programs like, you know, like the reimagining, like the butterfly that we've heard about, um, all of those things, they require additional levels of care because part of the problem is that they're, you know, right now people are being treated as widgets. Clean, move on, clean, move on, clean, move on. And we really need a system where there's uh, more interaction, where there's uh, more oversight, where people are able to sit with people if they're having a bad day to deal with that. And that, I think, is where we really need the money. And, and it's got to be in the care part. Natalie? Yeah, I agree with everything Jane said, and we did look at the party promises from the various different parties. All of the Liberals, the Conservatives, and the NDP promised increases in beds, like ranging from thirty to 40,000 new beds. There's 33,000 people on wait lists right now um, in Ontario for long-term care. So, And those were all, you know, over 10 years approximately. They all had very time limits. Um, the Liberals tried to push through a bunch of them before the election, so they put 5,000 out to tender. Uh, and then the Conservatives have added one more thousand since they got into office. So 6,000 of those new beds have gone out to tender. Um, and it'll take years, of course, to make, to build those beds. Uh, uh, Doug Ford has promised, um, 15,000 of the 30,000 beds in the next five years and yep. then the remainder after that. Um, so that's on its way. However, we're concerned that the majority of those will be privatized. In terms of actual care levels, um, the NDP uh, promised to bring in a minimum care standard of four hours. So they met. We had asked all the prom- all of the parties to commit to that. They met the commitment. Uh, there's no mention of that in uh, like there wasn't really a platform from the Conservatives. So in what you know the document that they do have, uh, there was no mention of that, and nor for the Liberals. Okay, and uh, so will the extra beds without extra care, is, will that be any kind of solution? Well, it'll be a solution to get the people out of the hospital and some of the people from the community who require care. But 
we still need quality of care, and that's where we're really looking. Um, you know, we have new beds. We have issues around uh, redevelopment homes um, in the province who don't meet minimum standards. We're all supposed to have been uh, redeveloped by 2025. It's a big problem in places like Toronto where land is very expensive. Where are you going to put people during that during that time? Um, and we so we have all these issues that are sort of coming together, um, and not you know they can say we're going to you know put this out to tender, we're going to get all these new beds, but I, I think there has to be a bigger plan, and I don't know that we've seen that yet. Okay, let's take a call from Maria in Stony Creek. Hi, Maria. Hi. Uh, I gather you worked in long-term care. Uh, yes, I do. Go on. Um, just just a concern that um, that we're faced with every day is. Um, challenging behaviors with uh, our clients. Um, a lot of times um, we're not given the full story on admission. We're, we're told that they exhibit certain behaviors, but when they're um, admitted, the behaviors are a lot more extreme, and staff are getting hurt uh, physically. And um, I'm just... A lot of homes want to back away from antipsychotic use because they fear that um, it's, well, obviously not benefiting the client, but in some cases it's, in, it's a need for it. Um, we're just, we just, our hands are tied. We just really don't know what to do um, as far as uh, caring for these individuals because they are um, difficult with behaviors. Um, and there's no, the hospitals won't keep them. So where are they going to go? We're going to have um, a huge wave in the future with people um, with mental illness. And where are they going to go if they can't get the proper care and long-term care? Um, the use of restraints are minimized. Um, we don't restrain people like they do in the hospitals. So it's, um, it's just a, a big challenge. And all of us nurses frontline are just concerned as to What's going to happen? Are we are are we going to get more staff in long term care? Because they the question is, <laughs> we always bring this up, and they always return um, to us saying that we are overstaffed. We have enough staffing, but realistically, we we don't. And I'd really really like to see the ministry look at these cases of um, not only um, staff getting hurt, but other residents getting hurt. Uh, something has to be done, and. People, people are fearful to, to work in long-term care. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. You're not going to get nurses wanting to work there. Maria, thank you so much for sharing uh, with us. I'm going to um, ask uh, our experts to respond to you. Uh, Jane. Well, I think she's absolutely right. There's a huge problem with uh, nursing staff getting um, you know, assaulted. I think that there's issues. Sometimes people definitely don't. Um, aren't forthcoming with information. I think also people going into long-term care also change um, when they get there. So, you know, you're in a, an environment at home where you at least are comfortable, comfortable there. You get into long-term care and there's an issue. So uh, it's a different place. Um, you know, so it, it, the government definitely has to look at this and figure out how, how to fix it. And it, I think it really is more staff. Um. Okay, and uh, Natalie? Yeah, I also completely agree um, with Marie's comments, and I really, you know, feel for the staff of long-term care. People, you know, really, they work with people 
many of whom die. And, you know, you hear these stories. They bring in clothes for people and they bring in flowers or plant trees in memory of people and just these heartwarming stories about the compassion and the care and so on. I hate to, talk, you know, talk about long-term care in a negative sense because there really is so much care that happens. But the, but the truth is that the staff that we talk to, and I've traveled the province nonstop for 18 years doing this, and the staff that I talk to in long-term care in very... I think we just lost her. <laughs> okay, um, that's all the time we have for this. And uh, I think that uh, basically, uh, Jane, before we go, the conclusion I'm drawing is uh, same old, same old, uh, really not much has improved and it's on track to get worse unless there's like a very serious infusion. You agree with that? I would agree, yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Maria and Stony Creek for your call. Appreciate it. And thank you to Jane Medes and Natalie Mera. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 